This episode of the Apple Bits XL is sponsored by SaneBox, an AI-driven email management tool that saves the average user two and a half hours of time per week by seamlessly organizing and filtering emails. To start your free trial and get a $25 credit, visit SaneBox.com slash AppleBits today. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash AppleBits. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Welcome, everybody. It is episode 268. Thank you to all of you who have been rolling with us from the start, from before the start, from sometime recently. Thanks so much for supporting this podcast. And again, this is where you're going to get kind of the latest, the greatest, the big news around the Apple world and the tech world as a whole. But yeah, we're going to focus on the good and bad inside the world of Apple. All right, this episode, I got a special guest. Bloomberg's Mark Gurman is going to join me. We're going to do a preview of WWDC 23. Some new news just dropped, so that'll be a part of this show. But we'll be talking about the operating systems, a little bit about the 15-inch MacBook Air, and then, of course, just the biggest thing that we're all expecting to see and hoping to see and trying to figure out, what is this thing actually going to deliver? The new Apple headset. But before we get to that, we got some orders of business for the show now. I love how you all call. The calls have started to come in a lot more. And what you got to do is just record a voice memo, send it in to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with A-Z. Your name, where you're from, what do you want to talk about? Tech, Apple, love it. We do have some relationship advice coming, but we got because we have this interview with Mark, the call is going to go next week so you guys and gals can catch up. Send in your voice memos, record them, applebitsshow at gmail.com. And I love hearing from you all because it just adds so much more to the show for me and for you. Also, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support my content. It's how you support this podcast. It starts at $2 per month, $5, which is like a cup of coffee, if that's the value that I bring to you. We have the 10 the 25 and the $100 platinum Apple level. And what do you get? You get early access to the content rewards at every level and a completely ad free version of the show plus we got our zoom monthly call in it's a just for the patreon subscribers we have a close your rings challenge going on right now just for the patreon subscribers and you get to see some behind the scenes of what's going on uh what i'm doing as well so patreon.com slash brian tong is how you support the show and all my content and i cannot say thank you enough All right, let's not waste any more time. This is the WWDC 23 preview with Mr. Mark Gurman. All right, everybody. Scoop du jour. I don't even call him a leaker. I call him a reporter. Mr. Mark Gurman from Bloomberg. Mark, thank you so much for coming back to the show. What's up, buddy? Thanks for having me. I mean, that's what I am. I'm... uh... (laughs) reporting right so call me a reporter that makes sense (laughs) that's amazing so mark obviously a lot has been going on and great timing and thanks for making the time to be on the podcast again because you just dropped a lot about uh what we could see in ios 17 i know we're going to talk about some of the other things but um i guess we'll start with the lead story i think that has everyone curious i was at google io and the thing that stood out to me the most was the pixel tablet and using your tablet like a home hub and a speaker dock and now you just dropped a report about Apple doing something similar-ish or kind of lining things up in that nature for the iPhone, correct? That's right. So iOS 17, they're working on a new mode that to me seems very similar to a smart display. So right now, 
on Android, uh, there's a feature on some phones, it's called ambient mode, right? Where you can put the phone or a tablet into landscape mode and it looks like a smart display, like the Pixel tablet you mentioned or one of those Lenovo smart displays. Uh, and then you also have on Echo, right? On the Amazon Echo devices, you have the, sorry, you have the Echo Show, right? And that has a unique interface. But on the tablets made by Amazon, the Fire tablets, uh, there is an echo mode, right? So when the tablet's in landscape mode, it triggers that mode and it could look like a smart home display. And so now they're going to bring something similar uh, to the iPhone. So if you have the iPhone laying on your desk or on your nightstand and such, and it's locked and in landscape mode, you'll get this cool new interface with, you know, information coming up about your day, uh, data like the weather, calendar appointments, and of course your notifications as well. And that's a major expansion of what was done to the lock screen in iOS 16. And so from what you've heard and know right now, this would only be in horizontal mode. It feels kind of like they're also testing the waters because we've seen this consistently in iOS, right? iOS was the first to get uh, the widgets. Then the next year, it came to iPadOS. iOS was the first to get the wallpapers. It is reported that we may see custom wallpapers coming to iPadOS. Now we're seeing Apple playing with this idea, potentially a smart home, a hub interface horizontally. And ideally, we would think that would go to iPadOS as well, right? That's right. So they're working on it uh, for the iPad as well, in addition to the iPhone. Uh, and it should arrive on the iPad as well. Do you, do you know any ETAs of, are they trying to target this for within like the next year? Or obviously not this year, but at least next year for iPadOS? Because I feel like that's where it really could shine. It's going to be on the iPhone in iOS 17, and they're working on it uh, and testing it uh, for the iPad as well. You know, the, the other thing is you and I have seen this a lot. Everyone has talked about how Apple has kind of, they, they've evolved their smart home, but it just it hasn't moved as quickly and as rapidly for a variety of reasons. You know, the effectiveness of Siri, the price of their devices, the compatibility with smart home devices. And, you know, I think they absolutely need something like this. Like I said, when I saw the Pixel tablet, I said everyone should be copying this and everyone will probably copy it. And Apple needs to copy this with their ecosystem because how many people told me, I wish Apple did something like this? Yeah, you know, the iPhone is really at the center of the Apple ecosystem, at the center of the Apple universe, right? Mm -hmm. And you can control your smart home appliances, and you have the phone with you wherever you are always. People traditionally leave it on their nightstand at night, right? Or if they're uh, not using it, it's in their pocket or their bag or purse or, or what have you, right? And so it makes sense to really push that interface first to the device that most people are using at the center of the ecosystem, right? Get people mm -hmm. familiar with it, test it on a large swath of people, and then I think eventually it's going to play a role in their smart home strategy, right? And so they're working on a low-cost iPad-like device, right, that could eventually be something similar to that Pixel tablet, something uh, potentially with magnets that you'd fasten to different stands or places on your wall or put it on your kitchen counter and such, right? And so this is all part of that strategy that's going to play out over the next couple of years. Yeah, if I recall right, I mean, you can correct me. I believe you were the first to report about even Apple flirting with this idea of a HomePod slash like big screen type device. Was that correct? 
yeah, they've been working on this for a few years. They've explored, you know, no less than half a dozen different smart home devices. They've worked on uh, a device that combines like a speaker with a HomePod, uh, a FaceTime camera, and an Apple TV, right? They've worked on something that is no different than a Pixel tablet, uh, basically an iPad with a speaker at the bottom with a, with a rotating swivel, similar to what uh, Amazon does as well with those higher-end Echo shows. And so they've explored everything, right? But, you know, there are certainly concerns around user privacy with cameras. There's concerns about the overall smart home ecosystem that this would play into. Uh, so certainly it's something they have clearly been taking their time with. And I think, you know, right now you've seen Amazon, uh, you know, pare back some of mm-hmm. their, their efforts. There haven't been major, major new changes for some of their smart home devices. I mean, there was a few new Echoes in the last week or so. Google had their Pixel tablet uh, coming soon, but really nothing has been earth shattering lately. So I think Apple sort of has a window in the next couple of years to do something that might, you know, gain some share. Uh, so certainly I think that's something they're taking a very close look at. No, you're 100% right where it's taken a long time for them to kind of get in this game. But we even saw, I think Amazon just released or announced like a product that even literally undercuts their $49 Echo Dot. And it was it called like the Echo Spot or something along those lines where it's like $10 cheaper and does the same thing. And, you know, I haven't, once everyone kind of got their homes outfitted with their smart home devices, I mean, I have a Google Home ecosystem here. Um, my Google Home, my Nest Hub just recently died. Uh, but people aren't now we've seen that this kind of market slow down to a certain degree. And there's still plenty of people that have been waiting for Apple to show them something better. And I think that if and when Apple can execute this, there's going to be a lot of people that would eventually jump ship back to Apple if the price is right. And if a, a few other things fall in place, you know, I think the risk for Apple is is always losing out on one part of the market mm. and that opening a window for someone to look at other devices from that company, right? Mm-hmm. And so why is it important for Apple to have a HomePod, right? It's important because let's say someone buys an Amazon Echo and they really fall in love with it, then maybe they'll buy an Amazon Fire tablet over an iPad, right? And that's something that Apple uh, really couldn't and shouldn't risk. So for, by the same token, it is important for them to have more of a smart home hub strategy uh, because let's say someone falls in love with the Pixel tablet, maybe they'll buy a Google Pixel over the iPhone, mm. right? I think in, that would be a rarity, right? It's not <laughs> something that's going to be uh, a, 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 a big scenario, right? A major you know, scenario, but that potential is there. And I think that's a good enough reason for Apple to try to protect their walled garden, so to speak. You know, it, it's it's good to let's in air quotes. It's good to be the king, so to speak, just because they like no other company. We've seen it time and time again. They can wait it out, and once they put it on the market and their vision of it, um, it 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 dictates a lot of actions of how other people do, even when they're late. Um, and there's just I don't know many companies across any industries that really have that luxury to do that. And Apple's, you know, they're a unicorn in that way. So, um, very cool. Hey. I also wanted to kind of hear some of your thoughts about other stuff com- coming to iOS 17. This is obviously the operating system that affects everyone the most. Um, it's the product that arguably affects everyone the most, whether they have a new iPhone or an earlier iPhone. Uh, can you talk about maybe, you know, we've heard these rumblings about a journaling app and Apple getting into mood tracking for mental health. What have you heard in that space? So there's going to be mood tracking and vision management in the health app of iOS 17. There's going to be 
the health app on the iPad for the first time as part of iPad OS 17. And then there's a new journaling app mm-hmm. um, as part of the phone too. Somewhat similar to day, to day one. Uh, what this is going to do is this is going to play into uh, location services and find my on the phone and add a little bit more of a social element to iOS 17. Uh, the idea being, let's say you are on a walk or you are on a bike ride or a bus ride or a car ride or what have you, and you want to journal about your trip, right? Uh, you can do so, right? Uh, the Wall Street Journal article positioned it as a health feature, but I think it's going to be positioned more as a location mm. or social feature. Kind of like to share... I mean, we've seen, you know, Apple play a little bit in the social space with Ping, but that was really more tied to music and artists first used it for like the first month and then it didn't really do anything after that. But you're saying this right. is even more of a kind of a social push from Apple, not not a, hey, we're trying to be a social network per se, but no. still, at least for no. the people you care about, keep tabs on them. Yeah, It's more location than anything, right? I mean, it's going to use a bunch of the iPhone sensors. It's going to use... Um, the onboard, you know, AI capabilities and location uh, components to really understand you where you are, understand how you feel about where you are. Uh, it's going to be able to notify people where you are, obviously, with a lot of privacy protections here. So it's uh, it's a pretty in-depth app at a very technical level, deep into the operating system and deep into the phone. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to use it. I think it's, from what I've seen, it's pretty cool. Man, I, I don't, I guess, right, it's one of those things where I have to see it to figure out how much I would use it, but if these entries are going to be more about your location and maybe you add some, you know, images or, you know, commentary on it I and it does it more passively, maybe I'd probably use it more, but I would probably, I would have to change my habits to start journaling every day. I mean, I know there are people that do that, but I'm not one of those people. I mean, what about yourself? Well, I mean, just back to the app for a second, it's difficult to really explain off the cuff, but mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. very, very technical They've been working on this for two, three years now. Um, it's a very, very uh, big deal internally. Mm. Um, so I think it is a major part uh, of the OS. I don't know if it's something I'm going to use. Mm. I mean, there's studies that indicate, you know, if you journal this stuff, how you feel on a daily basis. Uh, and this is, of course, across this app as well as the, the mood tracking and the health app. You know, you're able to sort of look back how you felt at different times, right? Different moments of your life. And honestly take a deeper look Mm. and with context and really get yourself give yourself a better understanding of how you really are doing right and so i think it's going to be a pretty big deal and like you said i think there is going to need to be some sort of psychological uh change about how people use their phones if to to determine if people really want to uh use this thing so i'm in i'm very interested to see uh how it shakes out I, a lot of times, right, it's how it's presented and how, you know, compelling Apple can make it. And like I said before, they have the ability to kind of dictate and move and make moves that move the industry in directions that just no other company does. So I'm I'm really interested because, you know, the way you talked about it, saying it's really sounds like it's a big it's, it's kind of a big deal to them in iOS 17. So it's not like it's going to be like, oh, we've got this journaling app. 30 seconds. Move on. Right. Yeah, I think it's a big deal. It's going to be a big part of the presentation. All right, and then um, I know we have we've heard and talked about so many iOS things. Any other apps that stand out in your mind? I mean, I know we've talked about Wallet potentially getting a redesign. Have you seen or heard much about that? I'm just kind of digging a little bit to maybe if you could talk about some of the other apps or changes that might be a little more stand out in the forefront of what to see at WWDC. Um, 
the wallet app will be obviously a big part of it. I mean, wallet is getting more powerful, obviously. Right now in iOS 16, like some of the new features like the savings accounts and BNPL Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, hidden behind multiple menus. So it's about bringing more of that to the forefront. It doesn't make sense that... Uh, keys and the, the smart home stuff within the wallet app is bundled right into the same feed as your credit cards and your passes and your Walgreens card and such, right? So potentially breaking those out to different areas of the app, just making it more powerful, making it more of a place that people go to, mm-hmm. uh, I think is important for their their ambitions there in the space, right? Yeah. Is is SharePlay going to be... I, I always... I thought SharePlay came at a time where... The pandemic, it, it, they kind of like Apple developed it in-house because of everything that's going on the pandemic. I actually think SharePlay is really cool, but it's one of those features that people haven't really changed or adopt, adapted their behaviors around because I would have thought someone like my nieces and nephews would want to do more SharePlay type stuff. And that hasn't materialized as much. And a lot of apps incorporate it into the app. So is Apple going to try and push a little harder with SharePlay at all? Well, SharePlay's a fundamental part of the mixed reality headset, right? Mm. And so it makes sense that they're going to be doing a lot of background work on SharePlay and iPadOS 17 and iOS 17 to sort of up that compatibility and, and make it feature, make feature parity between the different platforms. Uh, the AirPlay situation is related to getting uh, AirPlay working, uh, you know, improve the ability for airplay to work in hotels and other places and agreements with different hotels um, to make sure the compatibility is there, obviously for TVs and devices that you don't own. Mm. Okay. So, you know, I mean, I know you've probably been so deep in the weeds with it that you're like, okay, just announce a thing already. But since you started talking about the headset, I mean, as we're getting really close, I think what we're less than two weeks away from WWDC happening. And you talked about SharePlay. What is development wise, what has kind of stood out to you about the Apple, let's call it the Apple Reality or Apple Reality Pro headset um, as we get closer? Has there been any things that have bubbled to the top that, okay, these are going to be the things to look out for when they present it? It's so funny. Everyone thinks that the headset is this sure thing at WWDC. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know these VR websites were invited yesterday, mm-hmm. um, and so that's a good indicator. But up until then, the only indicator that this was coming at WWDC had been my story starting in June. No, absolutely. This thing was, was coming, and it sort of just became fact pretty quickly. Uh, so God help me if it's not there. <laughs> um, no, it'll be there. Yeah, it's the whole the whole they've got very little other than on the headset, I think, right? I mean, there were some people questioning how it's possible that Apple would fit a headset, a new MacBook Air, mm-hmm. iOS 17, iPadOS 17, mm-hmm. macOS 14, new tvOS, um, watchOS into this event, right? But if you think about it, they've got a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour event, right? Probably the two-hour cap, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you can do iOS 17, watchOS 10, um, Mac OS, so those OSs, right? iPad OS. I think you can get those done in 20 minutes, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I think you can get the MacBook done in uh, 10, 10 minutes. minutes. Yeah, right. Because so I would say they've probably broke it down and they said we're going to do half an hour. Um, we're going to squeeze everything into half an hour, and then we're going to uh, spend an hour and a half on the Apple headset, right? And mm-hmm. so. People like to forget that when the iPhone was announced in 2007, that was only one part of the event. There was a full walkthrough of the original Apple TV there too, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, 
the Apple Watch was announced at the same event as Apple Pay and the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. Mm. So very rarely are there media events for a major new product category at Apple that only are focused on that product category. The only one it was the iPad in 2010. That was a full full iPad only, right? But mm-hmm. yeah, they've got plenty of time. I mean, the amount of new features in iOS 17, Mac OS 14 are pretty light uh, compared to prior years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, you know, the MacBook is just a new screen size, and obviously that's impressive and cool, but there's no new chip to talk about. Uh, and then, you know, you just pull all the demos that they would normally give on Mac and iPad and you, you got it pretty, pretty down to the new features. Uh, the watch is probably, uh, the most significant of the software upgrades and you'll get a demo there probably. Right. But other than that, I think it's all going to fit together pretty nicely. All right, let's take a break to thank the sponsor of this podcast. SaneBox is an email management software that lets you work smarter in your inbox, save time and focus on things more important than email. SaneBox is all about saving you time and helping you stress less on email. Using its proprietary AI, SaneBox organizes your incoming emails into appropriate folders so that when you open up your inbox, you only see the important emails without lifting a finger. It's like a smart assistant with years of experience who knows what's important to you. Now, on average, this saves the average user between two to four hours each week by seamlessly organizing and filtering emails. SaneBox works with any email client. It also means that you don't have to change email clients to take advantage of all of SaneBox's benefits. And as a trial user, SaneBox even offers a free one-to-one SaneBox concierge service where you can sit down with one of their email experts to review process steps for managing your email and setting up SaneBox to match your workflow. Now, I found that it helps sort the emails that matter to me and those that don't, and I still check them and move messages around when it needs to so that it learns. And it's just an easy label in my Gmail that I peek at every day. Start your free trial and get a $25 credit. Visit SaneBox.com slash AppleBits today. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash AppleBits. So if you had to say, you know, with the headset, with everything you've talked about and seen and how it's kind of changed and developed, what would be, let's say, like the three top features that you think are going to be the most significant for it um, coming with, with at WWDC? The three most significant features that I think they're going to talk about at WWDC would be communication, and that's across uh, the share play stuff we talked about, mm-hmm. and that's across the virtual reality uh, FaceTime that we've discussed before. And then other than communication, uh, productivity. So using this thing instead of a Mac or an iPad. Um, and then content consumption, watching mm-hmm. video, watching live sports, uh, as well as gaming, if you want to put that in the content consumption category, right? And so those were the, the major, you know, tentpole areas. Mm-hmm. But I think the big thing to me is how they're going to position this thing as the future of the computer, right? Mm-hmm. The future of the Mac, right? The idea where instead of using a laptop and an iPad, you're doing everything in mixed reality, mm-hmm. right? You're running all of your iPad apps, you're taking your calls, you're doing your podcasts, you're doing your video editing, uh, you're doing your gaming, and really replacing everything with a mixed reality headset. And I think what Apple sees is that eventually that desire for having one device to do everything in mixed reality, that really could be the future. I don't think they're seeing this as an accessory or a device to accompany your other devices, whereas the Apple Watch is very much an accessory. The Mm -hmm. AirPods are very much an accessory. 
uh, I definitely think it's it's really a Mac, iPhone, or iPad replacement in the long term. Yeah, and what I think also to piggyback on that is I did this survey that I had about 200 people respond to specifically about the Apple headset, and the number one thing that they wanted to see when I when I asked, you know, what would make this um, a success to them was, you know, showing the future of what how Apple is thinking about this platform and what what they can inform us about how Apple looks to move forward. Right. Everyone, you know, we, we know all the reports of potentially the three thousand dollar price point and people are going to, you know, scream and shout about that all they want. But even if it's not attainable for them. The general consumer that is in this, you know, following tech like we are, that is so curious about what Apple's vision is, is if they can sell them on at least the future of where Apple is going. And then I think that to them and to me and to what you just said would be how they can make this event a success, you know. Um, but I, it, it remains to be seen still. I, I'm also curious, you know, you talk about wearing this every day and this idea of it still having a tethered battery pack, is that still the case? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So it's uh, an external battery. It looks similar to the MagSafe battery pack, if anyone has one of those. Uh, I have one of them in my bag. I don't think it's that great of an accessory, right? Yeah, but yeah. that's what it's going to look like. It's going to be quite a bit bigger, though. Get you a couple hours of battery, and you can hot swap them out as, uh, as necessary. Uh, they've done it for two reasons. Um, weight and safety, right? Mm. With a device with this amount of power, you probably don't want the battery on your head. <laughs> and then with a device of this type, you want it to be as light as possible, right? You want the mass to be uh, as light as possible. And so getting the battery out of the head is going to uh, reduce not only the weight of the battery that would be in there, but the module, uh, the, the charging system and stuff, the other components that would need to be in the headset itself to support that battery, right? And so mm-hmm. it's not only removing the weight of the battery, but it's removing the weight of everything that comes with having a built-in battery. And so uh, I think from that perspective, it was a very un-Apple-like decision, yes, but yes. probably a very smart decision. It's really the antithesis of what they've been saying about the iPhone. Do you remember when the first few generations of the iPhone, there was a segment of people that were up in arms about it having a built-in sealed battery, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, now you're going to have a segment of the population that's going to be up in arms uh, about the headset having uh, an external battery, right? So I guess for Apple, this is one of those uh, many cases where there's no win, right? Yeah, you complained yeah. about having it built in. Now you're going to complain about having an external. Well, uh, I, Obviously, yeah. the landscape has completely changed, right? And people's mindsets have changed, but um, that's the situation. But you know what? I, th- I think what's, what's interesting about that, and I've talked about this in the past, is if no one has been able to give us a headset that we could really truly wear for, I mean, for me and you and I have talked about motion sickness and even the length of time we wear these things. I'll give you 20, 30 minutes tops. And I recently had put on the quest, the meta quest Two, And I'm like, damn, this is heavier than I remember. And part of this whole idea of Apple wanting to use it for productivity and communication and content consumption that requires you to be in it for more than 20, 30 minutes. And if this can be, and I, I expect it to be the takeaways, but we'll see what happens. The takeaways from people that get to try it on for the first time has got to be, this is the lightest augmented AR VR headset I've ever used at this fidelity. Right. And from that standpoint, that's already something that people can like tax 
just feel and rave about and then it's up to Apple to show so the software and the experiences. But if this is something where I could say, hey, this feels so light, I don't really feel the battery pack at all and they place it far enough in the back and it, it sticks out enough where you, you really don't, you know, bang your head and, you know, or feel the cable as much and it's lined almost directly with your spine. Um, that 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 does become more compelling from being able to use this for a really really long time, and that's something you know when you talk about market differentiation, highest fidelity, most comfortable, and longest uh, you know ability to stay in there with the battery. That, that that's not that's not a bad proposition. In terms of comfort, something that I'm curious about is weight distribution, mm-hmm. right? And so you have the compute, and you have everything at the in the in the core of the, the headset, the front of your head. And then it straps your head with these new bands that go around the head. Um, you know, that's going to be interesting to see if people have concerns about it being too heavy at the front of their head, right? But I think back to the point of removing the battery and the point about lightness that you were just talking about. I think they've done a good job probably offsetting that. I think the band situation that goes around your head is going to be a lot simpler than a band that you see from uh oculus or i should say quest meta quest mm-hmm. and some other <laughs> providers where they have the big band that goes around the head and then around the top of the head and then it's a velcro strap i think they've apple's really simplified that down to something that's uh probably interchangeable something that's probably um much simpler to put on uh, and I think they learned a lot from the Apple Watch bands and how people like to swap bands there, mm. right? And how people uh, like the ease of putting those bands on. I think they've applied some of that probably. You know, this is a whole new area for Apple. There's yeah. so many firsts here, right? Yeah. They are trying so many new things for the first time on this all-new category for them. It's very exciting. That, that's, uh, yeah. I, I think this is a bigger deal than the Apple Watch. I, I personally think it's going to do well over time as they get the price down. Uh, I think it's going to be a hit. It's going to take a few years, though. I think the first year or two will be very rough. I think you'll see a lot of negative stories uh, about, you know, the device not selling out. I think you'll see, you know, stories about inventory piling up, people not buying them, uh, definite sticker uh, sticker shock at the price. Mm -hmm. But I think once they get the price in the right uh, area, right, and once the consumer education on these types of products picks up uh, and the understanding that people are using these new categories of devices – I think it's going to be a pretty exciting time uh, for not only Apple, but the, the industry and the people who use these products as well. Uh, I'm, I'll be first in line, I'll tell you right now. Woo! Like, first in line, open that wallet. Mark Norman, like, no, sight unseen, you're ready to, or I mean, you've seen a lot. So I guess, <laughs> I'm all, uh, you've seen a lot. So you're like, uh, yeah, I, I'm in for this first gen, yeah? I mean, at the very core, I'm a huge, huge tech and Apple fan, yeah, yeah. right? I mean, I know I write about the company, but I think my, my very unique perspective uh, and knowledge on these things comes from just at my very core growing up and being a total tech fanboy, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then sort of pivoting into this area. So I come into it from that lens and, you know, I understand this stuff and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty psyched to, to try it out. And I know you're the exact same. I mean, I I'm way back. I'm yeah. Yeah. We, we go way back, but I mean, I'm so fascinated by it because all these, you know, everyone has these takes. This is one of those few products. I really feel like, you have to wait and see what Apple does before you sh- before you crap on it, right? Like never, never underestimate <clears throat> Apple. First of all, and if it bombs, I think that the idea that I use the word bombs by air quotes, it's going to mean different things to different people. Because to your point, if Apple is looking at this like a platform that we know they have the resources to invest in it, to perfect it, to refine it, to see really 
what people want to do with it and then move in that direction. I think one of the things that has maybe hurt other platforms like MetaQuest is I have a MetaQuest 2. Um, I play these games, but once I'm finished with these experiences, I don't go back. Uh, I did work out with Supernatural, which was freaking awesome, but it did get a little heavy, and then I just found other things to do. But they, they, I feel like they've stayed in that that wheelhouse of, hey, we're going to make this more of a gaming device, and that audience does like that, but they haven't really changed or evolved it that much. You don't see a lot of other use cases being focused on other than here's some games experiences, whereas we know that Apple, they're going to take this, and we've talked about it, you and I, about similar to the Apple Watch. They're going to see where the data is. They're going to see how people use it. And then in year two, three, four, they're going to really lean into that. And tip. And ideally, the thinking is that that will resonate with that audience. But this is an Apple product, like you said, and I totally agree, like no other, where it's it's going to have some rough patches. But I've got to imagine long term, let's say five, ten years down the road, this is going to be a huge part of what they do. Yeah, long term, I think it's going to be very successful. I really do. Um, I'm not going to rule out Meta either. I think what we're going to see is sort of the same thing we saw play out with iOS and Android, where Apple became the high end of the market and Android became, you know, at least at the get-go, the low end of the market mm-hmm. or an alternative to the more premium iOS, or you want to call it closed versus open, mm-hmm. however you want mm-hmm. to differentiate them. I think this Apple headset is going to do wonders for Meta. Meta. I think you're going to see Meta headset sales go through the roof because of this. I think it's going to educate a lot of people about a category that people don't know about. And so uh, I think Meta should be psyched for this. Yeah, you know, I, I agree from a standpoint of when when Apple does something, it it puts a lot of focus on new industries. Like let's let's be real. The Pebble Watch, which was started on Kickstarter. Then other companies started doing it. And then once Apple did it, a lot more people started paying attention to smartwatches. I mean, even, yes, we know that, um, you know, LG was working on one. Other companies put out other kind of watch-like devices. But, you know, other brands have built markets because Apple kind of pushed in there. And then general consumers are paying attention now. They're like, hey, what is this? It's going to, I think it's a good time for VR. And I'm just so curious what the experiences will be like. And if and if this fidelity is as good as you know people and reporters are saying, uh, you know I don't want to say I might be my mind might be blown, but I, I kind of expect it in some aspects to be like, damn, I've never seen anything like this before. In some ways, depending on what they show us, I think it's very impressive. I think it's very impressive, and it's going to be super high tech, but it's also going to be a Halo device. You know, the Mac Pro is extremely. Uh, impressive or it was when it launched mm-hmm. four years ago the latest version right and it's also not useful or attainable or necessary for most people but i think this is going to play out similarly in the short term and change up in the long term are you going to be there at WWDC? Uh, i'm going to be there are you going to be there mark tbd i have to see if it fits into my schedule Wait, wait. So, can can I ask you this? And we can talk about this openly or not. You can say it. So, you have the invite, but you might it might not you might not be able to go. <laughs> Is that what you're telling me? Okay, the laugh tells it all. Because I I haven't seen it, and for for them to get you out there, that's that that tells you something, bro. <laughs> I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to trying it out. I think that. It's going to be really cool. And as a tech fan, I'm you know, looking forward to giving it a, a spin and giving it a fair shake, uh, as I know you will do too. Right? Abs- absolutely. Hey, Mark, um, one last question before we let you go is, do you feel, because 
I feel like remember back in the day we talked about product launches. The iPad was rumored to be like a thousand dollars. It was like something, and everyone was like, "No way!" And they started it at four ninety nine at the time. So I'm asking you, do you think that this reported three thousand dollar price is for real, or could it potentially be lower than that? Like more like two thousand or twenty five hundred. Oh well, if you're talking twenty five hundred, right versus three thousand. I certainly think there's a possibility mm-hmm. uh, there. There's no way it's going to be two thousand or lower. I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen people say that Apple's trying to set this five or this three thousand uh, dollar expectation um, in order to sell it for fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars. I would say it's more likely that it's thirty five hundred dollars than two thousand dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this iPhone I'm talking to you on is fifteen hundred dollars. True and. If you think about the amount of components, complexity, R&D, uh, manufacturing, precision, shipping, logistics, software development and such that goes into this Apple headset, especially as a first generation product, before they get the economies of scale working properly to get pricing down, and you think about the components that are being used in this, dual 4K displays, um, an external OLED panel for the uh, I pass through mm-hmm. more than 12 cameras externally. You think about the materials that are being used here. You talk about all the additional sensors, the, the speaker system, the microphones, uh, not to mention, you know, the R and D that went into it. I'm hard pressed to think that, mm. uh, that it's going to be anything less than between 2,800 and 3,300. You, you made it sound so classy. And I, I, you know, I just, I just thought for a moment, like, yeah, this is going to be probably the, from what we've seen up to this point, the best built uh, AR VR headset that we've seen um, that's a standalone unit so far. Just just oh, when you talk, right? The ID is incredible. Right, yeah, right, the ID right? is incredible. I mean, this is the most complex and challenging and difficult and high tech device Apple has ever made by far. Mm. That's only one side of the equation. The manufacturing of this thing is using entirely new processes and companies. It's just complicated complex expensive from the very beginning of the process up until delivering it to the customer yeah it's it's gonna be exciting okay mark um i know you got things to do thank you so much for your time i really hope yeah. i see you at wwdc we can see each other in person it's it's been a long time Absolutely. my friend so all right thanks again mark and we'll talk to you soon buddy all right thanks all right. bye all right everybody so there you go my conversation with Mr. Mark Gurman from Bloomberg, and he is really driven. I'd argue 95% of the rumors, early reports, and rumblings about Apple's headset. And so, you know, as we get closer to these events, I would say if you asked me two months ago, I was kind of lukewarm. I was still very lukewarm. I mean, I'm always going to be in the position of Apple. I'll wait until you show me what you show me. But it is Apple, and they always show us something we're showing. And so we've heard a couple reports of people who have tried it and said that it's amazing and that it's really good, but we don't know what that really means to each person. So that's why we're here. That's why we're going to wait and find out. And I will say that it is always exciting when Apple releases a completely new product category for themselves, completely new. So there is, there is definitely some energy behind that. 
All right, let's give thanks to our Platinum Apple supporting this podcast at the $100 level. That's Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, Michael Gigliotti, Atari Koenigsegg, and Glenn Canellis. Thank you so much for your support, and thank you to all of you who continue to support my content and this podcast at patreon.com slash Tong. All right, everybody, that's going to do it. We'll be back same time, same bat channel next week. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Take care and be good. Peace. Peace.